morning, everyone. This is First Up. I'm Matthew Cause in for Aaron Korolnik. That's Carlo Koliakovo. It's a Step Brothers edition of First Up. Good morning, Carlo. How are you doing there, Dan? What's up, yeah. my stepbrother? I, I, I don't know. Is this song fitting for us because it's a song that plays in the movie Step Brothers, or is this the song fitting for the Maple Leafs? But, you know, I woke up really tired this morning because well, I worked you, late. You were doing Montreal game last night, right? Yeah, I worked were, late. And, and, and yeah. Matthew, like, I, yeah. I love doing hockey games at night. And, you know, I, I feel very honored to be doing, you know, Habs, Sens, Leafs, whatever is given to me. One of the worst feelings of doing a game at night is when <laughs> you do the game, you do all your prep work, and it goes to shootouts <laughs> because oh. <laughs> it just makes it just makes your, yes. you stay there longer, right? So yeah, there's no yeah. better feeling when you wake up tired in the morning than listening to a really great song to get your juices flowing. And I, I think that was the the best song right now that could have got me feeling in a good mood this morning, knowing it's a Step Brothers edition of First Up, knowing that the Leafs had a an amazing win last night and so much yes, to did. talk talk about this morning over the next four hours about all the sports like craziness that happened yesterday. We could do four hours on Lamar Jackson if we wanted oh my to. God, and we'll we'll over. we'll get into all of that. But I have I have follow up questions for you, Carlo. How angry were you um like in the third when when Jesper Foss scores? You're like, God damn it, okay, tie game. Like, come on, someone. <laughs> come on, anyone. Anyone yeah. score a goal, and then it's like, okay, it's overtime. It's yeah. three on three. Everyone scores. Look at a leaf. Every leaf game ends in a minute Minutes. in overtime. <laughs> you know, and the, like, okay. So, first question: How bitter were you when there was no goal scored late in the third period? Understanding that, yes, you 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 love to being a part of any of these broadcasts. Uh, yeah, you're always bitter. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're watching a game like that, and all you're saying is just, please no overtime. Please no overtime. Please no. Then I guess the overtime is like, just please no shootout. Please no shootout. Well, lo and behold. <laughs> The more you wish, the more you get, right? And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it, it was it was good, Ben. You know, and then on the way home, I caught the the post game of the Leafs and heard all the great things that were said about the team. And um, you know, I, I you know watching the game from uh, you know the corner of my eye, you know, I was really worried about the way they started in that first period. Which is, you know, look, oh. honestly, it was it was expected. You know, as Last game of a long road trip. I mean, you heard all the guys after the game talk about how long it's felt like they've been away from home. And um, but credit to Samsonov, credit for the for the other players that had to step up and uh, a couple of absences um, in the lineup. And credit to Austin Matthews doing what Austin Matthews needed to do, and that's help this hockey team win a big game by scoring a big goal. And it was nice to see that he was the guy getting it. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And by the way, on yesterday on my normal show, I called it. All the money was on the Devils. Yep. Like all the money being staked, like 75%, everyone was betting on the Devils. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And this was totally non scientific beyond the fact that the Leafs, even with the injuries, are still a very talented team. But I'm like, Mm. this is what the Leafs do. They confuse us. They emotionally keep us on on our toes. You know what the Maple Leafs are, Carlo? You know the Maple Leafs are? You know when you're in your 20s and you date that one girl, and for any women listening, when you date that one guy 
who is a little hot, hot, but a little crazy, probably an actor or an actress. But you keep chasing it. But you keep chasing it, and you stay with them because they're really attractive, and you're a little shallow, especially at that age. And the, and and in the sack, it's fantastic. But they're also a little crazy, and they keep you on your toes, and you don't know: are they happy? Are they sad? Are they mad? Yeah. What am I supposed to do? So you're always a little on edge. That's being a Leafs fan. It, it sure is. I mean, it's just every year. I mean, over the last couple of years, it's you know you get to this type part of the season, and it's like. Oh, yeah, let's plan the parade. The Leafs are going to win. They're finally going to break through. They get to the playoffs. They start well. They get to game seven. It's like they're finally going to yeah. break through. They're finally going to. And then, lo and behold, they break your heart. They And, and everybody gets mad for a, a, a day, a month, a week, whatever yeah. it is. Give it a couple months later. September comes around, and it's the same thing over again. Leafs, this is their year. This is their, They're going to do it. The Leafs you know, are my team. I bleed blue and white. And that's what you love and appreciate about Leaf fans. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, I, I don't like the people that shame Leaf fans. Oh, why are you guys always reacting? Why are you always so high or low? It's like, because it's sports. You're right. allowed to be high and low because you're right. allowed to be emotionally irresponsible. But, uh, Carlo, um, like, like, think about this team. Think about this team. Remember a couple of years ago when they, got, when they got Foligno? And I remember you had a great line uh, when the Leafs acquired him at the trade deadline. You were like, he's not you know, necessarily the best player out there, but he's the best fit. Right. And we're all excited about Felino, And what happens? He gets injured. Mm-hmm. Then it's, hey, the Leafs are taking on Montreal. We got this. Then a Corey Perry knee to John Tavares in the first period of game one. And suddenly yeah. we're all like, oh. And, of course, you know, and we don't need to really Take the life that. right out of the series. But there's always something. And then it's, all right, things are going great. Oh, wait, Ryan O'Reilly's hurt. And Tavares has got on a gray jersey. And Morgan Riley's on the third pairing. And Matthews can't score. And then we're all like, oh. And then again, we get down. Yeah. And then we have last night. And, and, and I, you could have said it best or better, Matthew. Um, I was doing the game with Gun Schuler last night. And I said the same thing. When the Leafs started the first period the way they did it, they were being outshot like what? Like 15, 15 to 3 two at one or point. whatever it was. Yeah. And <laughs> Samsonov was standing on his head and it was still 0 0. And I looked at Glenn and I said, this is lining up for the Leafs to win this game. Oh, yeah. Because everything going into this game was odds are stacked against them. You know, you could build, have all the built-in excuses that you want. Last game of a long road trip, missing two players, New Jersey playing well. And when you watch that first period, it's almost like this is a game that the Maple Leafs are going to find a way to win because that's what they do. And good on them for doing it. If there's one thing that they've really shown um, about their identity this year is this is a team that embraces adversity head on. Yeah. And this is a team that has shown it is very resilient. You know, either going into games, during games, between games, whatever it is. Whatever it is. They've shown they're very resilient. And I think last night was a great example of both battling through adversity and being very resilient because they could have easily packed it in when they gave up that third goal, which was probably one Samsonov would won back. Yep. But, I mean, lo and behold, who are, the, who are the two guys that end up stepping up and being the heroes? It's Michael Bunting, who's the guy that is uh, the topic of being in the coach's bad books or in the doghouse, being demoted yeah, to the demoted. fourth line. Yeah. Yeah. 
they they could. Sheldon Keith touched on it after the game. You know, we 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 shortened the bench, and I just felt like he was a guy that, you know, had something in him and and put himself in the right opportunity and got a big goal. Like that was a massive goal for the Maple Leafs, and then it's the it's their power play. They get a big chance late in the game, and it's the big dog. It's Austin Matthew. Those that, the revenge uh, of special teams. It was the yeah. revenge of special teams after sure the Vancouver was. game. Per- perfectly said. Marner, perfectly like said. a 1990s wrestler, went full one-man gang, scoring yep. on that, that shorty. That was all him. <laughs> he went full one-man gang. And then the power play winner, the funny thing about bunting, and um, wow, we're doing, we're doing a lot of sports in the first segment. we got to goof it up in the second. But I thought bunting, his more impressive moment wasn't the goal because that was a wide-open net. Like, good for him for mm-hmm. bearing it. To me, that play was all about – was actually about Justin Hall, and it was about David Camp. It was mm-hmm. both those guys with these incredible passes. But on the power play goal, um, Bunting was smart because he saw Matthews to his left, and he let the Nylander pass go right under him. He's like, nope, mm-hmm. not touching it, not touching it. There's a guy better than me to my left who knows what to do with the puck than I do. I, I thought that was uh, just like his hockey IQ on that moment was incredible. Um, yeah, as, as for the Leafs, they are both – But the funny thing about them, Carlo, they're both resilient – and they're emotionally immature. It's like, oh, we're taking yeah, on the Coyotes. Oh, 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 watch us lose yeah. this one. Like, that's why they're a roller coaster. They're yep. they're dating the crazy actress or actor. That's what being a Leafs fan is. Because every night you don't know what you're going to get. But I got that one right last night. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, big win. You know, big win. And now, you know, they got a couple of days to sort of, um, you know, uh, recharge yeah, you know, they're gonna have a full team day off today. Um, you know, you and get a couple practice. Of practice days, and then sa- Saturday it's another big matchup. It's Saturday night against Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid coming into town. And there's a lot that people are saying about Connor McDavid. I believe I, I read somewhere the other day or yesterday that if you double Austin Matthews's points, he's still two points shy of Connor McDavid's total on the season. Yeah, which yeah. is crazy. But that's also that's just that when people throw that out on Twitter, I get why they do. They know that if they do that, you're going to get a lot more. You're going to get a lot more views. You're going to get a lot more impressions. You're going to create a stir when you do that with Matthews. Mm-hmm. If you did that, like I, I don't, I haven't seen the points, but let's say the same was true of of Malkin. You know, you're going to get some because Pittsburgh's passionate, but you're not going to get as much. What if it was of Kopitar? Okay, okay. There's a couple of West Coast people that are, are going to challenge you. But when you say that about Matthews, suddenly you're going to get this blue wave of Twitter anger on you. Yep. So clever move by whoever did that to take Connor yep. McDavid, take Matthews, and make a way, a love connection to make that math work. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So, look, a lot to digest, man. We yes. talked about the Leafs. Um you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins had an unbelievable comeback yesterday, led by Cindy Crosby, down 4 nothing in that game, and come back, storm back to win 5-4. Um, you know, we saw a 0-0 game get sure. resolved in shootouts between the Flames and the, and the Wild, and all the NBA craziness, and especially the NFL craziness that went down yesterday with the franchise tag deadline. We got a lot to digest here, Matthew, and I'm pumped Let's, to do it with you, man. Let's have some fun yeah. this morning. Oh hell yeah! I'm a Giants fan. I am pissed off. 
You know, the, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into it. And th- there's a bunch of Leaf stuff I also want to do with you. Like, how important are these practices the next couple of days? Because you've got all these new members. Also, how much more important is it to get a win? How much better did it feel as a player to get a win when you know you got four days off? So oh, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll do that. Uh, you know, just a, a, a ton on today's show. And also, you know, Morant. And, you're right. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get out of here. What am I doing yammering? We got more yammering to do in a second. That's Carlo Coliacomo. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to First Up right here on TSN 1050. Welcome back, everyone. This is First Up. I'm Matthew Cause. That is Carlo Coliacomo. It's the Step Brothers edition of the show. And, Carlo, before we get into NFL madness, there was the madness of Steve Ballmer, the billionaire owner. Well, they're all billionaire owners. The uber billionaire owner of the L.A. Clippers. And I, I guess it was the construction of the new their new uh, arena, whatever, stadium. And did you see or did you hear what he had to say? I, I sure did. But to what surprised me even more, Matthew, and I'm, I'd like to think I'm very in tuned with everything that's going on in the sports world. Yeah. Did you have any idea that the Clippers were building their own arena for themselves? I know that I, I was aware that Balmer bought, bought the old land in Inglewood that, that had the old Great Western form. I had I must have missed it. I didn't know that like he was close to completing the, the the project for the Clippers to actually have their own home very soon. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, no, I, I knew it, but first off, you can't know everything. I'm like, God, it's impossible to keep up on everything. There's <laughs> apparently a, a WBC game on right now with Taipei. I mean, like, I, I, I can't yeah. keep up with everything. Everything, just calm down. So the but, Clippers are finally going to have their own facility yes. in L.A., and they're going to play out sense. of Inglewood. They're not going to play yeah. out of downtown L.A. Well, I mean, it makes sense for Steve Ballmer and his ego. He doesn't want to share a home with the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers mm. are the most dominant team in the city of L.A. Everyone falls second. Even even when the Clippers have better teams or better records, it's still a Laker town. It's similar with, like, the Brooklyn Nets and the Knicks in New York. So Ballmer's trying to change it. And then here's the best part is I always love when the when the owners are are hanging out and they got like construction gear on. They're just like you and I, you know, like when a politician, they roll up their sleeves to show they're just like you. But here is Steve Ballmer talking about the most exciting new thing about his new arena. Toilets, 4. I wonder if his focus in putting three times the amount of normal toilets that are that are normally found in the state of the art facilities, NBA arenas, I wonder if his next priority as they start to conclude the final touches of this Intuit arena they're calling is yep. if he's going to install TVs in these mm-hmm. toilets so that people don't miss any part of the games when they're in there. 
No, no, no. I'll tell you why not. Because this is a clever thing. He said he wants everyone to get to their seats. Right. When you get to your seats, no, but when you get to your seat, there's a better chance you're going to buy more food, more drink. If you are waiting in line to go to the bathroom, you ain't buying anything from that uh-huh. arena. If you are sitting on the can watching on TV, first off, shame on you. Control your bowels. Um, but, you know, then you are sitting there. And you can't go and spend money. This is about getting the customer to wear all the, you know, I mean, you take kids to games. It's expensive. This is about getting the customer to buy more stuff. It's like when you went to, like, was it the Ice Capades or something? Disney on Ice. I heard that one. I heard you sent out a second mortgage. Ridiculous. (laughs) It's absolutely ridiculous, the price of Disney on Ice nowadays. Ha-ha. Wow. Well, Carlo, it's a lot of money to be Mickey the Mouse. <laughs> uh, but that's that's what Steve Bomber's doing with all the to- yeah. I, I love it. It's smart. No one likes to wait in line. You know, there's, by the way, there's nothing worse than when you're like the third one in line and you're just scanning the urinals. And basically all you're doing is watching men pee. Oh, it's like, oh, I think I think that tall fellow there. Wait, yeah. I feel like there's a shaking motion. Oh, get ready to go to that urinal. It's about Are to you, open uh... up at any time. Are you ever judging people when you're in the urinals, whether or not they Every go moment. wash, whether they like? Do you watch if they go wash their hands after they? Oh God, yeah, you do. Yes, yes. Okay. Oh, I 100% do. No, I, I especially in restaurants. I have gone up to a table and said, uh, "Yeah, he didn't wash his hands. Enjoy your nachos." And then I scurried <laughs> back. To, and then I scurried back to my table. <laughs> I'm always judging Carlo, especially yeah. in bathrooms. I'm very particular uh, about that entire process, which is disgusting. I'm a repressed man, but yeah. uh, yes, but good on them. It's a smart move, money-wise, and a smart move. No one likes waiting in line. No, like I get it, but like, does Steve Ballmer have to like throw a celebration? Uh, with his speech about it, I mean, like this guy likes to highlight really weird things when he gets the mic in front of a, a crowd, you know, just embracing I think he his everything. love for everything. Pretty cool, pretty damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> right, hold on, wait, yes. do you got the, do you got the other one, Chris? Do you got the other one uh, that you just cut right now, just a second ago? If you have uh, if you have that one ready, so here's here's Steve Ballmer. When he go, when someone goes, where are you going, Steve? And he says, toilets. Okay, Steve, you didn't need to be that excited that you got to go to the bathroom. You can just okay. get up from the table and go. You, you are an adult. Yeah. I, did you, I bet uh, he celebrates that with everything. Hey, Steve, what, what, what did you get with your nachos? Salsa. Like I bet he toilets. <laughs> Sour cream. Yeah. <laughs> Guacamole. Pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Well, I so the guac. You got to pay extra. So you heard the audio. Yeah. Did you see the video of this scene that uh, Steve Ballmer basically made at his new arena? Did you see the video at all? No. Okay. During during the break, you got it. You got to see the video of this because he literally yeah. had the whole Clippers team huh. in the audience, and they were all wearing construction outfits with hard hats. And there was a little pan over, or like uh, uh, like through the like the the faces of some of the players, yeah. And Kawhi Leonard was just stone cold <laughs> and like stone cold, basically just saying to himself, "Why the hell am I here? Like this this arena is going to be built in two years. I don't care right now. I just want to play basketball." 
You know, I just want to be, fair, be a fun always, guy. To be fair, that's always his look. Kawhi Leonard could go to a party that was the celebrate Kawhi, you're the greatest human being ever party, and he'd still, I feel, have that look on his face. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, talk about, like, uh, that's a you power know, move. Like that's you're a power you're, move. you're on you're on a construction celebrate site. Celebrate my toilet. Like you're on a construction site, basically. Okay, you're you're wearing the hard hat. You're wearing a construction <laughs> suit, and next thing you know, you're sitting there while your owner's having a press conference, and he's yelling toilets. And you <laughs> look at the guy. You look at the guy next to you and say, "Is this for real? This guy's celebrating toilets." And look, I mean, is there really much to criticize about Balmer? Because I believe this is no. all of his own money ding, ding, that ding. he's That's using. The main thing. I love to it. build as as, this stadium. Yes. Don't use taxpayer money, and you can do whatever you want. Right. You can you can do a thousand foot statue to yourself, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. All right. On on the on the other side, um, we've got like we could spin the wheel. We have Aaron Rodgers. What's going on there? We got Daniel Jones got how much money? And we can spin the wheel of Lamar. Well, before we spin the wheel, Matthew, I know you're kind of a freak, not a frequent, a, a very um, sparingly guest on this show. Yes. Because you fill in for, for AK when he's gone. Oh, yeah. Coming but we have time. a great new segment oh. produced by Cheese coming up next, and it's called Control Freak. Oh, I'm excited. And is this fitting, considering we had the mo- the biggest control freak and Steve Ballmer just yell toilets in our ears for the last ten Toilets! <laughs> so let's play the game of Control Freak. All Up right, next. we're we're gonna we're gonna do that next. That's Carlo on Cosmos first up. Time to get freaky in a respectful way. Ready to get freaky, Matthew? Carlo, I'm ready to get freaky all over you. Wait a minute. Phrasing. Welcome back, everyone. Good morning. <laughs> this is First Up. I'm Matthew Cause. That's Carlo Koliakimo. And it's a new segment. It is Control Freak. It's new for me. So what happens is a producer, Cheese, gets on the mic. And he gives a, yeah, I got out. And he gives us each an option, like we're in control of someone, and we get to decide what that team or player does. Right. So, Matthew, this is one thing that I, this is a job I'm going to give you before the end of the show, okay? All right. We love our new producer, Cheese. We love his nickname. There's fans that love it. Before the end of the show, I want you to give him a, a certain Cheese name that's one of your favorites. Okay. Okay, because you're a wine and cheese guy, aren't you not? That's right. That's right. Right. Hey, Carlo, that's a Gouda idea. (laughs) (laughs) Cheese related humor. Hey, how you guys doing, everybody? All right. There's more holes in my comedy than in Swiss cheese. (laughs) (laughs) These jokes stink more than blue cheese. (laughs) It ends there. I I apologize. All right. right. Uh, What do you you got there, uh, Chris? Christopher Horvat. Well, we're going to start with the NFL. I mean, I feel like this segment is perfectly tailored to a day like yesterday. So let's not waste any time. Carlo, the New York Jets are hiring you as a consultant on how to upgrade a quarterback. Are you throwing the brakes truck at Lamar Jackson, 
hoping the Ravens don't match? Is Aaron Rodgers your backup plan? Oh, I am driving myself to the rental car place. Oh. I am getting myself a oversized van. I am going to spray paint the word Brinks on it. And I'm going to load it with cash because I am driving to wherever Lamar Jackson is. And I'm saying, how much is it going to take for you to be a New York Jet? And it's ironic how all this news came down yesterday where it was the owners and the Jets are flying in to see Aaron Rodgers. And then a couple minutes later, Schefter reports that you know the Baltimore Ravens have franchise tagged um, Lamar Jackson, but... They, they'll allow him to still speak to other teams so he can set his market. If I was in the air with the New York Jets and I heard that news break, I would turn that jet around and I would fly it straight to Lamar Jackson and say, what's it going to take? Because the fact that what's being speculated, that the Jets or the, 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 uh, the Green Bay Packers would want two first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers and an offer sheet to Lamar Jackson would cost you two first-round picks? I mean, do the math here. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a young MVP quarterback that's entering the prime of his career, or would you have Aaron Rodgers, who's got probably one year left of his playing career, playing for you for the next five, six, seven, eight, nine years, whatever it may be? So if I'm the Jets, I'm all in on Lamar Jackson right now. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, it. Oh, oh, sorry. No, I didn't get. I, I, it's my first time doing it. I didn't. Do I comment on Carlo or do I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. I'll just I'll just say real quick is that you're right. That Aaron Rodgers, the career is not going to last as long. The only thing you got to wonder about is at the very least you have more stability in terms of health with Aaron Rodgers than you do with Lamar Jackson. But I agree with you. If you want to take a chance, you take a chance on Lamar over Aaron Rodgers. Matty, you're the Atlanta Falcons. They brought you in as a quarterback consultant. They want a long-term solution to their position at the quarterback. Are you trying to convince them that they should consider trading for Lamar Jackson? Are you moving up in the draft to nab one of the top quarterback prospects? What are you doing if you're the Falcons? First off, I'm doing too legit, too legit to quit. I'm going early (laughs) 90s Falcons with MC Hammer. After I'm done that party with Andre Risen and Jerry Glanville, what I'm doing is I'm going to get Lamar Jackson because I got an easier path than the New York J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. And I'll tell you why. Because I got the money. The Jets have, or the Falcons have $67 million in cap space. They're one of the teams that can make a deal happen. Hey, Lamar, you want $50 million guaranteed? Come on down to ATL. Also, think of it last year. Atlanta, for a lot of last season, had a top 10 offense with Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter at quarterback. So it's like, hey, Lamar, we got it done with those losers. Now we can do it with you. Enjoy Drake London and Kyle Pitt. We're getting this deal done. He is a Falcon. Bang! I love that. Yeah. Too legit. I mean, on paper, it doesn't seem like there's many better fits than Atlanta, right? I kind of feel like it's strange that they ruled themselves out so quickly. I don't Weird. know if you guys saw that. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you okay, guys saw so, that report, but, like, why would they do that? Why would they eliminate themselves out of it so quickly? You know, I love what J.J. Watt said yesterday very openly, very publicly on Twitter yesterday. 
he basically came out flat out said, why are all these teams so publicly out on Lamar Jackson, a guy who's an MVP winner in the prime of his career at the most important position in the entire NFL? What am I missing here? Because when you saw Lamar hit the market, there was like five or six teams that came out and said, yeah, we're not in on Lamar. There's no chance that we're, we're, we're going to be in on, on, on acquiring. It's like, why are you all of a sudden just coming out so fast and making a decision on a guy like that? When does a guy like this become available so often? It's, it's, it's weird. It's 26-year-old former MVP, and there are red flags. Okay, no agent to me is a red flag. Him not playing in that playoff game last year, red flag. Missing 33% of his games last two years, red flag. On the other end, the Ravens spend the least amount of money on receivers. Uh, he's won the MVP a couple years, uh, just a couple years ago. You go out and do it. You know what? If, if you don't need to announce anything, you can just be quiet. Quiet about I, it. Yeah, I, and I like. I know everyone wants to do collusion, but they right. do that because one thing, tw- like especially on Twitter, Twitter hates the NFL. Twitter hates NFL owners, so they're gonna oh collude, collude, collude. I don't know what it is. I mean, like to me, this, this doesn't make sense because owners want to win more than they want to suppress salaries of quarterbacks. Certainly, like the like the David Teppers, the the crazy billionaire owners. Again, they're all billionaire owners. Anyway, it makes no sense. It was a stupid move by the teams. Go ahead, Cheese. Car- Carlo, you are the Bills GM, Brandon Bean, and he- you need some advice on how to handle the Stefan Diggs situation. Rumors are that he's trying to angle his way over to the Cowboys. Do you try to convince him to stay if it's true? How do you go about replacing him if Diggs does go to Dallas? Well, if I'm Brandon Bean, the first thing I do is I get to the bottom of this. I, I have a meeting with Stefan Diggs and say, look, what's the deal? You in or you out? And depending on what he says, the next thing you do is you go talk to your quarterback, Josh Allen. Because Josh Allen's the guy you have to keep happy here. And everything we know about Josh Allen is that he absolutely loves Stefan Diggs as a wide receiver and as a person. So once you've talked to those two guys, depending on where things are between the relationship and between both players' wants and needs. If Stefan Diggs wants out, see you later. You don't want a guy in your lo- in your locker room, in 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 your um, team environment that doesn't want to be there. As much as you can say and you know compliment how good he is at the position that he plays. If we've learned anything about the NFL, especially last year with the Tyreek Hill situation. There's good wide receivers out there, but there's also replaceable wide receivers out there. And for the Bills, if he's a guy that doesn't want to be there, you move on to the next best thing. Maybe you go after DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe you go after another big guy that may be on the market. Or maybe you actually spend the capital that you would gain in a draft, or sorry, in a trade for uh, for Stephon Diggs. And you go get a big playmaking wide receiver that the Bills have had a hard time drafting themselves. All right, Maddie, you're up. The New York Giants are hiring you to improve their offense now that mm. you guys have committed to Daniel Jones on a ah, some, hold on. long-term I've, deal. I've been there. I've been hired the day after they gave Daniel yes. Jones four years, Correct. $160 million. Okay. Yeah, okay. Bad day, timing, the, eh? Okay. The day, yeah. Bad timing. Okay. Yep. Sorry. Continue, sir. How are you going to maximize Jones's skill set on offense? Like, it seems like he's got a pretty limited ceiling. Like, how are you going to go from good team to great team if you're the if you're the Giants? Um, I I I look at what Dave Gettleman, the former GM, did with Kenny Galladay, and I do the exact opposite. You know that I, I find actually good receivers 
instead of what they did with Kenny Galladay. All, what this is is about what you got to do is you got to find your AJ Brown. I mean, yeah. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was a good player in his second year and became a great player. Part of it was his own development, but part of it was getting AJ Brown. That's what you got to do. You've got to surround Daniel Jones with talent. They're better at left and right tackle, and but it's just it's at the receiver position, and that's really all you can do right now is go out and try to get better weapons, get receivers that can draw double teams, grab receivers who can create separation. Let Dan, give make Daniel Jones' job as a passer easier by creating greater space between the receiver and the defensive back. So, Matthew, before we move on to the next question, who would be this year's version of A.J. Brown that could be available to some other team? Is it DeAndre Hopkins? Nah, too old. I, I I mean, I don't even know if there is one. I think the Eagles got really lucky where the Titans decided they wanted to rebuild, even though they uh, gave all that money to Ryan Tannehill. I was shocked when the Titans did that in day no one. No kidding. Get, you know, getting rid of A.J. Brown. It just it, The moment they did that, I actually bet the Eagles to win the NFC East the moment after that deal happened. Okay, um, so, I don't know. If, I don't know if there's a name. Maybe Stephon Diggs, as you were talking well, about. Well, maybe is it, it could it be one of the Tampa Bay wide receivers like Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. It's a it's a good you know what it's a good point by you. The, Tampa's like sixty plus million over the cap. They're not going to be winning. So yeah, no. like a Chris Godwin. They've already, but, they've already sold off for Fournette. Yeah, you know but why they, not Stephon Diggs? Not there. Why not oh, Stephon no. Diggs? He knows the same coach, Brian Dayball. I would put right. in a call for Diggs, but if not, yes, uh, Godwin would make a ton of sense. Mike Evans would make a ton of sense. Yeah, this this Diggs conversation you talk about sense doesn't make any sense. Like the Bills are probably going to be one of the top teams in the NFL again oh, yeah. next year. Why? Why would this guy? I don't know. Like, are are, are we to make more of what the of the saw of that Cincinnati game no, last year? I, I mean, I, I don't know. Every it's just, team, it's every player does that. Every yeah. like every there's somebody why does do that? They're upset at that moment, but you know, you go to Dallas, you're not the number one guy. Ceedee Lamb's the number one guy. Okay, I got the perfect guy. Ooh. Perfect guy right now to compare wow. to AJ Brown. You know what his name is? Who? Cooper Cup. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, I'm 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 flush. Think I'm about sweating. it. The, the Rams they're going yes. full rebuild right now. Oh yeah! Right. I, I mean, there, there's it. even talk. There's even talks of them probably trading Matthew Stafford. You're gonna have Cooper Cup there as part of your rebuild when you can recoup all of all of the assets that you've given up the last couple of years. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I would go right. and get Cooper Cup. Yep. All That's right, cheese. What's my next? Let's uh, jump over feed? to the, well, yeah. Let's jump over to the NHL. Coco Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe. He wants you to be a special assistant for the rest of the season. He wants to know what the ideal D pairings are going to be for Toronto. How how are you arranging the blue line for the rest of the season, and what kind of looks do you want to see in terms of partners and duos? Okay, Sheldon, I'd be happy to accept that role as the assistant uh, that helps you make the decisions on defense. Uh, if it means maybe helping you win a playoff round, if it means potentially getting my name on a cup and getting a cup ring, yeah, sign me up. Where do I sign for this? Um, look, these are the deep pairings that I would experiment with. Jake McCabe had another great game, and this guy just looks like he's getting better, and he might actually be the best value contract at the end of all this that the Maple Leafs have, considering that Kyle Dubas had Kyle Davidson eat $2 million of that contract for the next two years. This guy's going to be a top-pairing defenseman, top-pairing shutdown defenseman for this Maple Leafs team. So the 
the pairings that I would experiment with, if you're going to use Jake McCabe as a shutdown guy, which is clearly what he's standing out to be, I would go Jake McCabe, Luke Shen as your shutdown guy, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody as your pair that has had success playing with each other since TJ Brody has been a Maple Leaf, and your bottom pair would be Mark Giordano, and Timothy Lilligren with Justin Hall filling in every once in a while. So that would be my ideal deep pairing because, you know, you, you look at how this defense has tried to transform itself, being more physical. Well, guys like McCabe and, and Luke Shen are going to do that. And if there's a team that knows Tampa better than anybody on this team, it's Luke Shen. That is a good one. I like it. Yes, that, make, that makes a ton of sense. Carlo, you did it. You solved the Maple Leafs. You solved right. the Maple Leafs issues on defense. But yeah, that, uh, yeah. I, I do direct deposit, but I'll take a check too. So Venmo, just tell me. Yes. you know, or just straight cash, homie. Right. All right, cheese. Straight I, cash, homie. <laughs> I, I feel it. I'm looking at the clock. I feel uh, we got to skedaddle to the first up scoreboard. All right, we will uh, do that. Yeah. Oh, yes, sir. What was that? You, you, listen, nah, I'm just, we, we can go. We, we can go for one more. Okay, I'll give okay. it real quick. I'll give you 20 seconds. I'll give you 20 seconds. Go. Matthew, Mem- the Memphis Grizzlies are seeking advice on how to proceed on the future of John Morant. Do you trust Morant as the linchpin of your, linchpin of your team moving forward, or are you maybe looking to move on here? I am sitting him for the rest of this year. He might get suspended anyway by the NBA. Do I trust Morant right now? I absolutely do not. But you can go back and read stories of other guys like Carmelo Anthony, who you know became a, sort of a better leader, but he also was going down as sort of a similar path. Uh, do I trust him? No, I don't. And actually, I hope he is suspended for the rest of the year. What, need, what needs to happen is much more significant than just giving him a slap on the totally wrist. Agree. He has got to rethink the entire his entire people that he trusts, the entire people that he listened to, and to everyone around Morant, Think about what you're doing wrong as well, because you are selfishly dragging this young man down who is on the precipice of generational wealth. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's suspended all of next year, too, Matthew. I, mean, I think you, he's going to get 50 you, games. You talk about an example that the NBA can set for the league and for the rest of the sports world when there's all this attention around gun violence in, in yes. our world that we live in. Like... I, I get John Morant's a great talent, but this guy made an absolutely stupid decision. And yeah. because because he's a celebrity, he shouldn't get away with it. Like, Gilbert Arenas got 50 games. Actually, he got a whole season. And I believe there was a rule that I just found out in the NBA that if you have if, – if you bring a gun to a team-related spot on the plane in the dress room, it's minimum 50 games. Minimum yeah. 50 oh, games yeah. for that. So there's less than 50 that. games in this get... in this season. I agree. The rest of this season, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's all of next season too. The NBA's come out and said, you know, it's been very public about being, you know, like anti-gun or just not like not anti-Second Amendment, but anti like machine gun, anti all these other things, AR-15 and all those shootings that are going on. To have that, then have John Morant waving a gun at 5:15 in the morning on Instagram Live. You need to give the 50 games. All right. We got to take a break. Coming up on the other side is the first up scoreboard. I'm Cause. That's Koliakovo. This is first up.
Welcome back, everyone. This is first up. We're going to do a abbreviated scoreboard for you. Carlo, you want to kick it off maybe with a game you were covering last night in the NHL? Love to, Matthew. So in the NHL last night, Montreal put up a great fight against the one of the league-leading teams, the Carolina Hurricanes, but it was the Carolina Hurricanes showing why they're one of the league's best, storming back and winning in a shootout 4-3 against the Canadians. The Pittsburgh Penguins, led by Sidney oh. Crosby, oh. down 4 nothing in that game. The Blue Jackets make a goaltending change. They bring in good old Michael Hutchinson up 4 nothing. <laughs> It's almost like they were up for nothing and they were saying, what are we doing here? We cannot win this game. But if we go out losing, maybe get a point, we'll feel better about the result. So they put in Michael Hutchison. It's a five-goal comeback by the Penguins as they win 5-4. The Lightning, yes, the Lightning, they are back. Tampa Bay Lightning, they, they'll be okay. They they beat the Flyers 5-2 as they return home from their road trip. It was uh, uh, two goals by Kucherov and two goals by... Alex Kaloran that led them to victory. Obviously, we touched on the Maple Leafs. They get an unbelievable comeback win in New Jersey against the Devils. 4-3 win with Austin Matthews with the winner with less than three minutes to go in the game on the power play. The Panthers keep their playoff hopes alive. They get a big win at home against the Vegas Golden Knights in a surprise low-scoring game, 2-1. The Islanders, wow, this was a big game for the Buffalo Sabres as they are chasing down the Islanders. They get a massive 3-2 victory in New York against Buffalo. And the significance about that win for the Islanders is now they sit comfortably in the first wildcard spot with 74 points. And the Buffalo Sabres are six points behind us. That could have been a like a, that's a, was a four-point game. They win that game. It's a two-point gap. Instead... It's a six-point gap between them and Buffalo. So I'd imagine teams like Ottawa, Florida, and Washington were really, really upset with the Buffalo Sabres last night for not pulling out the wick. Just quickly, the rest of the scoreboard. The Flames get a shutout win in in Minnesota against the Wild. Markstrom, you know, played amazing that game. one nothing in shootouts. Toffoli gets the winner there. The Avalanche steamroll through the Sharks. 6 nothing in shutout victory. The Coyotes beat the Blues. In a battle of the, the basement dwellers, 6-2. And finally, the Seattle Kraken, 5-2 winners over the lowly Anaheim Ducks. Real quick on the NBA side, Embiid, 39 points. Philly, back-to-back, played last night, played the night before. They beat Minnesota, 117-94. The Lakers beat the Grizz. The Mavs beat the Jazz. And the Oklahoma City Thunder, Canada's own. Shea Gilgis-Alexander helping out, beating the Golden State Warriors, 137-128. to Coming up on the other side of the show, we reset the biggest stories, including a hell of a win by the Maple Leafs and what is going on with Lamar Jackson. That's Carlo. I'm Kaz. You're listening to First Up right here on TSN 1050.